morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Fenner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. A blessed Lent to all of you this Thursday, March the 24th, as the light of Christ shines on us from Matthew chapter 25. Today we begin a new chapter. We've been slowly going through the, I would say, the 20s chapters of Matthew. And we have a great reminder that we don't know when Jesus will return. This is from Matthew 24. And to let that really sink in, it is Jesus who teaches like a good father, says, let me tell you a story. And he tells yet another parable. And this parable is the parable of the 10 virgins, which is a fascinating parable, one that we really always need to dig into. And it does remind me of when I was a kid, we would sing this song in Sunday school, give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning, burning, burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Hallelujah. The only time I really did that as uh, what he taught in a Lutheran church, singing Alleluia, such as that. But anyways, is that what this is talking about? We'll find out today. Open up your Bibles, put on your Christ goggles for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for this, their support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Today, I, I first of all want to give a shout out today. Um, we do have a guest from Missouri, um, but first I want to give a shout out. I, my wife and I coach track every spring, and it's a lot of joy. This is my 10th season. My wife joins me. We were track athletes in college. And so I found out the other day that some of my track athletes are listening. So today I give a shout out to two of my throwers, Wilma Hold and Nathan Vosberg, as they are in class. And according to what they're saying, it's okay for them to listen to this during their class time period. So Will and Nathan, shout out to you. And I also give a little bit of a shout out to to my poor daughter, who is one of our athletes. Yes, I am her pastor and also her coach. So Lord have mercy on Kaisa as she continues um, to bear with us as parents. But anyways, but here, we're here to study the Word of God, so helping us be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome the Reverend Tyson Bibb of Trinity Lutheran Church in Norburn, Missouri. A ble- Pastor Bibb, a blessed Lent, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you. Thank you, and a blessed Lent to you also. It's a joy to be uh, with you today. Pastor, give us an update on, on yourself. This is our first time together um, on Thy yes. Strong Word. Give, tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Trinity. Uh, well, um, let's see. Uh, well, Pastor Tyson Bibb, Trinity Lutheran Church in Norburn, Missouri. I've been here for about a year and a half now. Previously, was serving a congregation in Minnesota, but um, Minnesota's or Minnesota rather, Missouri is my home state. I grew up here, uh, and so it's kind of nice to be back in the in the homeland. Uh, my wife and I, Sarah, have been married uh, since 2010, and and the Lord has blessed us with uh, three children. Uh, the oldest is about to turn seven. Uh, the, the, the new middle child, uh, is, uh, three and a half. And then we have a third on the way here in uh, the middle of May. So we're preparing, uh, with great expectation for that joyful time. And we'll get to meet, uh, meet the new little one. Absolutely. Tell us about Trinity. Uh, well, Trinity Lutheran Church is uh, a congregation that the Lord has uh, blessed for over 150 years in a rural community, uh, northern Missouri. It's mostly uh, soybeans and uh, and uh, corn out here, row crops, uh, a lot of just good, faithful farmers um, that have been uh, receiving the, the gifts of Christ here for, uh, like I said, over 150 years. We just, this, this week, uh, we had a we have an active group of folks here that work with uh, Orphan Grain Train. So they were 
getting ready to switch out uh, winter clothes uh, for spring and summer clothes and keeping things going there. Um, and uh, they do a, a lot of good work with that organization, uh, blessing a lot of people with, uh, with needs that uh, are being met uh, by their good work. Well, Pastor, it is, you know, I want to take a step back here as it's a joy to have you on. You did serve near me here in the great state of Minnesota. And part of it is yes. you just didn't like winter, I think. You just, you're like, you know what, that winter's <laughs> too long. Let's get out. So the Lord, by his Holy Spirit, led you south. Um, so it's great to, to to study God's word with you again and to reconnect, yeah. as we say. And reminder to our listeners, one of the great joys that you have in ministry, and we see this in the book of Acts quite a bit, is, is that people that the Lord brings into your life, that you're able to reconnect with them. And, and although we move forward and move beyond where we are currently, that the Lord continues to bless our church and bless his people by his word around the country and also around our world. And this month we've been very blessed. And I don't know if you've been noticing this or not, but this month has been all new guests. So and everybody who's been on has been the first time guest. Actually, there's one person that was his second time. He snuck in there, but we gave our regulars a month off for coming back in April. But we have been going all across the country. We've been to Alaska. We've been to California. We've been to Texas, I believe. Um, we've been to Florida and, and even in Missouri. So it's been a real joy to have new guests, uh, new people, and and to see the blessings of God's Word. But today, uh, Pastor Bibb, as we are in God's Word, can you begin our time in prayer? Yes, and uh, this this gospel reading from Matthew 25, 1-13 actually comes up in the last Sunday of the church year in the uh, historic one-year lectionary, which we use here at Trinity. So uh, we'll begin our time with the collect of the day for the last Sunday of the church year. Let us pray. O oh Lord, Absolve your people from their offenses, that from the bonds of our sins, which by reason of our frailty we have brought upon ourselves, we may be delivered by your bountiful goodness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today, or really anything about Matthew, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call on this live program, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Pastor, we are studying Matthew chapter 25, and this is really, we're in the middle of Holy Week. It's a fascinating text. You know, chapter 24 had its challenges, but chapter 25 mm -hmm. brings us to a very full understanding of, of well, where Jesus is going and what this means for his people. So I'm going to start this way. I'll read the whole parable and then come back for your introductory thoughts. So Matthew 25, okay. we are reading from the English Standard Version, verses 1 through 13. We hear the word of God. Then Jesus says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to, went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And all those, then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. 
And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is our text today from the word of our Lord. Pastor, let's let's start simple. And I, I've said this many times. I am basically, um, you know, I never really got past confirmation in my uh, my understanding. I always need a reminder. So, Pastor, what's a parable? Well, a parable uh, is is really a teaching story where um, oftentimes uh, more complex ideas. Uh, uh, and when we're talking about Jesus parables, he's usually talking about the kingdom of heaven, uh, and he's using. Uh, common images, uh, things which which common people would have understood to kind of unpack these heavenly eternal truths uh, about his kingdom, about his ministry, and what it is that he's there doing. Um, and so, at their at their essence, they're they're teaching stories. Um, but it's interesting because uh, oftentimes, you know, we think of of parables revealing truth, and they do that. But Jesus often will say, let he who has eyes to see, see, let he, let he who has ears to hear, hear. And he's talking about seeing with faith and hearing with faith. And so um, oftentimes, I mean, the parables, uh, those who understand them are those then that have faith. That's kind of what I'm getting to, because sometimes, let's be honest, you know, we look at some of these parables and they can be a little cryptic. You know, what, what, is, what is Jesus talking about here? But when you understand by faith what it is that he's saying, then, you know, uh, by the power of the Spirit working through word and sacrament, you have eyes to see, ears to hear. And so um, it's a little easier to understand then. And that's a good point because there's a lot of time, and us pastors do this and theologians have done it through the centuries, where we can spend a lot of time trying to interpret every little piece of it and people outside yeah. the church even <laughs> trying to interpret it and and it becomes very messy very quickly so when we look at a parable mm-hmm. like the parable of the ten virgins what are some important um important things to remember to make sure we interpret this faithfully according to christ and his word well it's always important to remember context right uh we we get ourselves into trouble oftentimes when we take a scripture passage or verse uh, and separate it from its context Uh, and treat it as though it's something completely on its own. And so as you said earlier, uh, Matthew 25 here uh, in this parable falls after 24. And what Jesus is doing here during Holy Week is uh, teaching his disciples about the end times, right? Um, And Jesus even kind of steers us into that here at the beginning of the parable because he says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like or will be be likened to uh, ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. So he's talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, He's talking about um, uh, what it is to be in the kingdom of God, what his return will be like on the last day. and uh, yeah, there's there's any number of, of images here that stick out to us, and and I appreciate that you said you know sometimes there's almost a uh, <laughs> I don't know what you would call it temptation to overinterpret or to right. uh, to um, find too much where there's not really that much there. Uh, so we do have to be cautious of that, and and always use scripture to interpret scripture and let the more clear passages of scripture um, inform. 
uh, inform our understanding when it comes to those less clear or perhaps more difficult passages of Scripture. So Jesus here is is talking about the end times. He's talking about his return. Uh, and then we have this great imagery of really what is a wedding, right? Because you have the bridegroom, who of course is Christ. Uh, uh, his church is the bride. And then you have these uh, these virgins who are essentially by today's language like bridesmaids, right? That are waiting for uh, the bridegroom to come uh, so that they can then enter into this feast. And you kind of you, you t- took it away right away. We didn't ride to it because um, <laughs> let me do let me do this because I I, yes. I love that because it is something. Who are the characters? And and to not try to sometimes we do a little bit of like you said so well to to kind of add like well this is what this is this is what it is and we simply don't know scripture doesn't tell us and there's a little bit of guessing it's a lot like um, me trying to explain what my grandfather did when he farmed like I he might I, I might have some some pictures or something but my great grandfather would know a whole lot more than I would and and, that, and this goes thousands of years back so as we look at this. I'll just read verse one and see if there's any other context. Because the question is, as you said, who's a bridegroom? Who are the virgins? And I want to ask, I'm going to ask this question when we're done with that is, that is so different than how we see a wedding today and why that can be a challenge. So verse one, then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. So as you said, pastor, uh, let's just rehash again. Who is a bridegroom? Who are the virgins? And what's going on? Because I've done many weddings as a pastor, and I don't ever remember the bridesmaids waiting for the groom. I don't ever remember this. So what's what's the context of that? Yeah, so we are talking about uh, Jewish weddings here and, and some of the historical things that ha- would happen there. And so um, there would be a... a, a, a a parade, a procession, if you will, right? Uh, the the bridegroom taking his bride uh, into the home that he has pop- uh, prepared for her. Um, you know, and that brings to mind, you know, Jesus' words elsewhere. Uh, Behold, I, I, I go ahead to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I wouldn't have said so. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'll surely come back and take you to be there uh, with me, you know, that you may be there mm. with me also. Um, but here we have this picture of a Jewish wedding, um, and so the, the the bridesmaids, as it were, because when it says ten virgins, it, that's I guess the modern day equivalent would be like bridesmaids, and, and so they're waiting for the time, um, essentially between the wedding and when the reception is going to begin, between the wedding and and uh, the party, right? Um, and this really isn't all that different than what we see today, because you know depending on on what a couple decides to do with that time between the wedding and the wedding feast, you know, sometimes you just go straight from the the, uh, wedding service, right? Straight into the wedding feast. And other times, you know, you might go off and there's pictures and whatnot. And so the folks that are there at the reception hall are just kind of going, okay, you know, how long are we, (laughs) how long are we going to wait? It all depends on how long that, (laughs) that picture taking process, you know, or how long it takes the bus, right. Or whatever uh, to, to get there. Um, But in this case, in this context, uh, the virgins are are waiting to meet the bridegroom so that they can go in then to what we would think of as the reception or to use the the language from scripture the uh, the wedding hall right where the the wedding feast is taking place um, and Jesus himself he uh, 
uh, is the the bridegroom of the church. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, St. Paul gives us this great picture of the relationship between Christ and his church being that of a husband and a wife. Uh, And he Mm -hmm. says, this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church there in Ephesians 5.32. And so um, what we have here is, is Jesus describing uh, his, his return, uh, his coming together with his bride, um, and, and entering into the wedding feast. Uh, and so then the virgins who are waiting for him, I mean, this is also, it's not wrong to see it this way. I think also, uh, the the church waiting for Jesus return, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and we don't know when that's going to happen because that theme came up before, uh, in the previous chapter, you know, be watchful, therefore, because you know neither the the time nor the hour. And he says that at the end of the parable today, also. And that and that is a that has a key component to this. And and you're right. Yeah, you do have that time where a couple gets married, and then they have to go on their bus, and then they have to take pictures. And there's a whole bunch of people waiting at the reception hall. And it's like, when are they going to show up? You know, what's happening? What are they doing? I'm hungry. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. So you definitely <laughs> yeah, have right. that, that same feel today, no doubt. And, and here, tell us about the lamps. So, okay, so they're, they're waiting for the bridegroom. We as Christian people are waiting for Christ to return. We see that wedding feast imagery all throughout, even as we see the, the great feast that is still waiting for us to come, waiting to come in the resurrection. Yeah direction. Um, and so the lamps, that always kind of gets me a little bit like, wait, you know, as I said, singing as a kid, it brings that memory. Give me oil my lamp, keep it burning, burning, burning. What What is the lamp? What, yeah. what is Jesus telling us? Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that uh, gets fixated on the most, right? Because it's kind of the, the crux of the parable, the the lamps, the oil, the, the, the burning of the lamps. Um, and, you know, you get a, a handful of different opinions, uh, I believe it was St. Augustine he talked about, and that's a, an early church father, one of the early doctors and teachers of the church. He talked about how this was, you know, um, I guess, if you will, the good works that Christians perform that, that in terms of the flame burning from the lamp, the thing that, that shines brightly around. Luther was was big to say it was faith, right? Uh, the, the oil and the flame burning then is faith, living faith uh, that's, that is in God's people. Um, and I don't think it's wrong to kind of see those two join together in the sense of the Holy Spirit, right? That, that God gives us of his spirit. The Holy Spirit works through word and sacraments to create uh, and to sustain faith, right? We confess this in, in um, uh, the meaning to the third article of the Apostles' Creed, that the Holy Spirit, uh, I, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, uh, gathered, enlightened, sanctified, it keeps, right? Uh, keeps us in the one true faith. And so I don't think it's wrong here to see uh, the, the spirit and the work of the spirit in terms of we have uh, a lamp, it's got oil in it, it's burning. Uh, we have faith in Jesus. We have, we receive that faith by the spirit. Um, and uh, and we always have to remember that, that, you know, justification and sanctification are joined together. Uh, we have to keep the order right, um, in other words, we're, we're declared not guilty, uh, of our sins through faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and then a Christian is just going to, it's just going to perform good works in their life. And it may not be necessarily these grandiose things, right? Um, it's, it's simply loving and serving your neighbor. Uh, and that love and service is, is born of thankfulness, uh, for the loving service of Christ for you and for his church. That is the laying down of his life on the cross and taking it up again on the third day. 
it, it all has its um, its its source with Jesus uh, and His work for us, not our works for Him. But nonetheless, um, yeah, the the lamp, the oil, uh, and and the burning of that. That's, uh, I don't, I think Luther, you know, he gets right down to it. It's faith. And, and that's probably where uh, I think we're safest standing without getting into all kinds of different speculation. But of course, we recognize then that faith is born of the spirit through word and sacraments and uh, not only born of the spirit, but then that faith continues to burn uh, by being on the receiving end of God's means of grace and, and continually receiving his word uh, and his sacraments. So I think this song is a good one then in that sense. You know, give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning, burning, burning. Yeah. Did you sing that song as a kid? Did you sing that song? Yeah, I was familiar with that from uh, uh, <laughs> Sunday school years, you know, and, and uh, vacation Bible school would come up, of course. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, that song. And we also have a couple of hymns in our hymnal that, that yeah. capture this uh, parable and, and bring out some of these things Um uh, LSB 516, that's wake, awake, for night is flying. Uh, and the first stanza really captures it here. Um, wake, awake, for night is flying. The watchmen on the heights are crying. Awake, Jerusalem, arise. Midnight hears the welcome voices, and at the thrilling cry rejoices. Oh, where are ye, ye virgins wise? The bridegroom oh comes. Awake, your lamps with gladness take. Alleluia. With bridal care, yourselves prepare to meet the bridegroom who is near. Oh, that is perfect. I never noticed that before, Pastor. And and one, we haven't have not really sung that very much. And what a perfect connection. Stay awake is a right. theme that we will see. Yes. Now, what, what's interesting is this waiting that we will uh, be looking at throughout this time. And well, mm -hmm. you know, we might read this parable and be like, oh, whatever. But if anybody, if you, if you are listeners or pastor and myself, whoever, I'm not good at waiting. And so this is just one of those great reminders for us to stay awake and, and to, to focus on the Lord and reminder to our listeners, the hymn to D captures this beautifully. That was number, hymn number 516, awake, awake for night is flying. And here's the beauty of it. This goes back to the 16th century by Philip Nikolai. This hymn reminds us once again that God has been at work proclaiming his truth for gener generations after generations. So, Pastor, anything else before we read a few more verses? Well, uh, like you said, and just picking up based on, on your comment there, you know, yes, I hate waiting, <laughs> especially, like, you know, you, <laughs> if it comes to like lunchtime or supper and you're really looking forward to it, you know, it's people get have a tendency to get hangry. Right. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, we hate waiting and, and we see the eagerness. I mean, on the one side of it, there's that eagerness for Christ to return is something that all his people share. And so we're eager uh, to enter into the joy of our master. We're eager to enter into the wedding hall uh, and to rejoice with the saints uh, um, with all eternity. Uh, and we do get that foretaste of that feast to come, you know, as we uh, uh, gather together with angels, archangels, and all the company of heaven, lauding and magnifying the name of the Lord as we receive his body and blood in the sacrament. Um but uh, you're right, we don't like to wait. In fact, you know, uh, St. Paul, when he writes to the uh, Thessalonians, that they are, they're like thinking Jesus is coming back right now. And, he, and he's mm -hmm. saying, you know, uh, so much of the content of that letter is, uh, we don't know, so uh, be patient, you know, wait in faith, which of course ties us back to the parable here is that we do have this delay. We don't know how long Jesus is going to be, uh, but the caution here, and it's a, it's a loving 
a warning, a loving admonition is to be watchful, to, to not fall asleep, um, and to be, uh, to be waiting in faith. Well, let's continue on because all we know right now is that there's 10 virgins and they're waiting for the yes. reception <laughs> to happen. So let's go verses yeah. two through four. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Now I'm gonna um I'm gonna stop there just because it gives us a context of the ten virgins. So tell us about ten, ten virgins. What does it tell us? Uh, well, these are uh, um, Christians, right? Because a virgin is a pure one, uh, and and in this case, in speaking of. Um, uh, the church, we are those who have been made pure by Christ, right? He is our righteousness. We have uh, no righteousness of our own. Um, we are uh, poor, miserable sinners as we confess in, in the divine service. Uh, and so we, we need that which we don't have, which is uh, righteousness from Christ. And he graciously gives that to us. Again, it's bought and purchased on the cross and then given out in his means of grace or, or the means by which he gives us his grace, his word and sacraments. And so uh, these these virgins uh, are Christians, right? And so they're they're waiting for the return of the bridegroom. And this is where it starts to kind of get interesting and somewhat unsettling, right? Because it says five of them are foolish and five are wise. Uh, and then we're given the the uh, the qualifier there. What is it that makes them foolish? What is it that make them makes them wise? Uh, the foolish they took no oil with them for their lamps, but the wise uh, took flasks of oil with theirs. Um, and it's interesting because foolish and wise is kind of an Old Testament distinction. Um, and in the Old Testament, it's not unusual for, uh, uh, for foolish people to be, uh, at least spiritually speaking, foolish people to be uh, unbelievers or those who don't value uh, God's wisdom, which is ultimately Christ, or don't value uh, God's word, his instruction. Um, and then the wise are those who, who have faith, right? Who, uh, hear, uh, hear the word of God and keep it. Right. Um, and so this, there's kind of an old Testament distinction here between foolish and wise. And yet we know in the context of the parable, these are all Christians, um, uh, as things begin here. And then of course, Jesus takes us further into it. I am reminded too in Matthew 7, and I love how you connected the Old Testament with this. In Matthew 7, it talks about the, the wise man who builds his house on the rock and the foolish mm -hmm. one who builds it, well, basically on the sand. Um, so yeah. everyone who hears the word of God and does them is like a wise man, and those who hear the word and does not do them is like a fool. So that, right. that gave me some context too as I thought about this. So we think of these virgins, basically they were told – have plenty of oil. That's what just 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 bring plenty of oil. And five of them didn't did it, and five of them did not. So that's much like yeah. you know us when we hear the word of God and do what it says. Then then that's you brought the extra oil, and those who heard the word of God and did not do it are those who did not have oil. Is it is it that simplistic, or what are your thoughts? Well, yes and no, uh, because I mean. Um, uh, well, think about it like this, because it gets down to it later on in the parable. But I mean, it, it, the question becomes then, how do you get oil? <laughs> right, um, right. If yeah. this oil is so important, then where does it come from and how do you get it? Uh, and, and later on, as we see, the it's the foolish ones that end up in a terrible uh, predicament, uh, 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 one of judgment, um, because they lack oil. Uh, and so... Um, 
we know that faith is not something that we manufacture within ourselves, right? It's, it's right. a gift of right. God. It's given to us by the Spirit working through the Word. And so uh, then it becomes the question of, well, then, where do you hear the Word of God uh, read and taught and preached? Uh, where do you receive the sacraments? But, of course, in Christ's church, right? Um, wherever the Word is, is rightly and faithfully preached and the sacraments of Christ are administered faithfully according to that Word, there you'll have the church. Uh, so we confess in, in uh, the Augsburg Confession. And, and um, mm-hmm. uh yeah, so um, you got to be where the gifts are, right? Being on the receiving end of Christ's word and sacraments, uh, that's going to fill your lamp with oil. I mean, there's your supply of oil right there is, is Jesus, right? His word and sacraments. And so what, what we're getting ourselves into, and this will become clearer as we continue on, is those who have uh, received the gift of faith in Jesus, but then they spurn uh, those gifts that continue to strengthen and feed faith. And I want to talk more about that, but we have to take our break. We are studying Matthew 25 with Pastor Tyson Bibb, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. We are studying Matthew 25, the parable of the ten virgins with Pastor Tyson Bibb of Trinity Lutheran Church in Norburn, Missouri. And Pastor, we've gotten through the first four verses, and th- there's a lot of context that so we had to make sure that we throw in there. And you've already brought up just, you know, we, ha- we got to be careful with the oil. We don't want to go too far with it, but we do know it connects with faith. And then the question that we're going to have to answer the rest of our time is, how do I get this oil? You know, it's kind of like when we sing this song, give me oil, my lamp. Okay, what is this oil? How do I get it? How do I make sure I stay awake? And how do I make sure I wait faithfully? So, so Pastor, as we think about those questions, first four verses, anything else you want to highlight before we move on? Well, honestly, like you said, I think we've kind of uh, backfilled a lot of context into this. So that's propelling us forward. So I'm excited to get to the rest of the verses here. Yeah, I'm into that. So let's let's continue on. I'll go verses 5 through 8 as we hear the rest of the story. Verse 5. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the fool said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. So verse five, I think I can relate with this. It's kind of like 
I, I'm getting to the stage of my life where, you know, one of my kids will be gone for a time and one of the parents has to stay up and they, they're laid from what we expected them. Well, you get a little tired or, you know, sometimes you get a little nervous too, but you get a little tired and yeah. you start becoming drowsy. So kind of kind of break this down for us. What does it mean by them um, becoming drowsy and slept? It, it's, it's simple, but there's a connection for us in today's world as well. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I mean, this ends up being a big detail too. Um, so they don't know how long it's going to be until the bridegroom gets there. And again, in keeping with the overall context of, of the end times and Jesus teaching about that, we don't know when it is that he's going to come back. No one knows the day or the hour. And so uh, all, all 10 of these virgins, they become drowsy and they sleep. Um, and it kind of makes us think of, of the disciples um, with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? You know, uh, he's he's going off to pray and he says, "Stay awake with me." Uh, and they get they get mm-hmm. drowsy and they fell asleep. Um, and it, it just really reveals the weakness of our flesh, right? Uh, that um, um, you know the the good that I desire to do, <laughs> as Saint Paul says in Romans seven, uh, I, I I don't end up doing it, right? The evil I don't want to do. That's what I keep on doing. And and he wrestles with this, and this and we see this wrestling in our in our lives as Christians. And he ultimately says, you know. Uh, who will save me from this body of death? And uh, thanks be to, to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? We have our, our uh, forgiveness, life, and salvation in Christ. But um, so they all became drowsy and slept. And, uh, um, I'll try not to digress too much. Uh, you can you can see this as the things that, that kind of lull us into a spiritual stupor, right? Uh, the, the, the temptations we have to... Um, not pay attention and not be watchful in faith to not mm-hmm. uh, be ever mindful of the bridegroom's return. Um, there's also um, uh, sleep being equated with death in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, right? Uh, and with this being an end times parable, uh, I think that fits really well that, you know, okay, they, they died, uh, but then um, uh here you have the, the call, right? Here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. And this is, you know, for all those who, who have faith in Jesus Christ, this call on the last day of, of you know, he's back, he's here, you know, that, that loud trumpet call, uh, Jesus returns, um, uh, coming back in the same way in which he went into the, the heavens. Uh, and it's glorious and it's wonderful for, uh, for Christians, this return of Jesus. Um, and so, uh, you know, going back to those becoming drowsy and slept, that there's uh, some layered things going on there. But I think it's probably most clear to see it as, okay, they all, they all died. Um, and we, you know, for us individually as Christians, uh, again, we don't know when Jesus is going to return. Uh, it could be that, that uh, he, he calls you from your earthly life you know, who knows, before the end of this podcast, Lord have mercy, right? And so we need to always be watchful for that time when we're going to go and, and meet the Lord and we need to have uh, oil in our lamps and uh, to be receiving his word and sacraments and, and to have um, those blessed gifts of forgiveness, life and salvation as they're given um, in his word, uh, uh, the absolution and the supper um, and uh, and holding on to those promises of baptism that, uh, that God has given to us. But... Um, yeah, so the, the bridegroom comes back. They uh, they're they're called to come out and meet him. They they get up. They they rose and trim their lamps, right? Which is their they want their lamps to burn uh, brilliantly, so so they can see where they're going, and so they can be seen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get the uh oh, right? <laughs> Verse eight: uh, The foolish said to the wise, 
give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Uh, and this is where it starts to get really startling. Uh, and especially as it goes into verse nine. And so, yeah, so yeah, verse nine, it brings us to that point. And that's where I'm, I'm trying slowly not to go too much into the end, kind of like trying to hide a, a good ending to a movie, which is not always helpful. But um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's very, it's very interesting to me that I don't know if there's more to this or not. But okay, so they, they all became drowsy and slept. I think that's an mm-hmm. important piece because we can make it sound like, oh, the five who were prepared never went to sleep or never became drowsy, yeah. but they all became that. And I don't know if there's more to that, but then in verse seven, they all trimmed their lamps as well. And so mm-hmm. um, I don't know if there's anything to that. Any any thoughts in your study? Well, you know, Jesus returns and they come back and the trimming of the lamps is, you know, you get your wick just right, you light it, you, you have everything set so it's burning at maximum brightness, right? But then those who didn't bring oil with them, uh, they quickly burn out, right? The, the There's no oil left to be burned. And so then their lamps are beginning to go out. Um, and uh, uh, we're, we're getting into sort of the not sort of, I mean, we're getting into the judgment aspect that comes up in this parable. Um, and think about it like this. Uh, this is something that we that we lament and we honestly need to be, uh, and rightly so, and need to be prayerful about it. I mean, we've, we've all known Christians who have received the gift of baptism. God has made them their child, his child in baptism. Uh, and, and then, you know, they even are in church uh, uh, perhaps off and on, but then confirmation comes and there they are again, they're in confirmation. And then the day comes they and they confirm their, their faith. They confess the faith into which they were baptized. Right. Uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, you don't see them anymore. They're gone. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is troubling because we want them to be receiving the gifts of Jesus. We want them to be receiving oil in their lamps. Right. Um, and so, uh, what we have here is a situation where it's like all 10 of these are Christians, right? Uh, they're all, they're all baptized. They all have faith in Jesus. Right. But then it's the wise ones who were continually on the receiving end of Christ's word and sacraments. Uh, and then the foolish who weren't. Um, and so, uh, they, they have spurned this gift of faith in Jesus and, and have spurned these gifts, which not only give faith, but keep faith burning. Um, and then, uh, the day comes, right? They've all died. Jesus returns. Um, and he's getting ready to take everyone into the wedding hall with him. And, and five have lamps that are burning and five don't, you know, it's, it's a very startling, uh, uh, warning. And that's, and, and again, the reason why Jesus gives us this parable uh, and this warning is because he loves us. He doesn't want us to be foolish. He wants us to be wise uh, and to be receiving his, um, his gracious gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation that not only give faith, but keep faith uh, burning. One of the one of the the struggles I have with this parable, and, and that's beautifully done of what you just said, because it 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 brings us back to reality. Is that here's the great gifts of Christ available for you, forgiveness, life, and salvation, all on account of Christ. And 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 sometimes we we can easily lose track 
of that that's what the church is about, the gifts. You know, that's why I, I say even on this program, and it's it's more true for you and your congregations of where you serve and where you attend and and how the Lord has called you, that the gifts are ready. I mean, that's exactly what's happening. The oil is ready. The lamp is ready to burn, you know. Hallelujah yeah. um, is really all we want to say. You have all these things. And yet there's still those who just, for whatever reason, don't want it or choose not to receive it. And, yeah. and here we get that understanding that there's a time where it's like, okay, now's the time. Now's the time. There's no going back. Now is the time. And, and, and some of them um, did not have the oil. So verse 8, I think, is, is one of those uh, that they ask the question, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. How would we relate that? I would say to the church and to the people when Christ returns. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I guess the simplest way to state it is you can't have faith for someone else. Um, yeah. uh, when it, when it comes down to the last day and Christ's return, he's, he's going to be looking to find faith, uh, in each individual and, um, uh, and faith, you can't have faith for someone else. I mean, um, you can, you can be praying for them. You can be there to encourage them. You can be sharing the word of God with them. But at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, the, the word of God does what it says it does. It accomplishes the purposes for which he sends it out. And, and, um, so many will hear and by the power of the spirit, they'll hear and they'll believe and God be praised, right? God be praised for that gift of faith, which we receive by the work of the spirit through the word. Um, but then some will hear and they'll harden their hearts to the word. Uh, and, and it may not even necessarily be outwardly obvious to us, right? Um, uh, but, but it is Christ who judges the heart and, and who sees and knows the heart. Uh, and so he, he gives us uh, of himself in the ultimate way, right? Takes, his sin, uh, takes our sin upon himself, keeps the law in our place, dies in our place on the cross, uh, rises again, uh, also that we can have this forgiveness, life, and salvation, um, uh, and gives of His Spirit, right? Uh, that we that we have this faith. Um, but at the end of the day, people can and do still reject it. It reminds me of the the parable of the persistent widow in Luke chapter eighteen, when Jesus says, "Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth?" And that is, mm -hmm. I think that's definitely, it, it, it's manifesting that in this reality. And the reality is that there will be a lack of faith. And at that point, for example, I remember when I was in college, one of my uh, acquaintances, I would say, someone I knew, his dad was a pastor. I, my dad's a pastor. And, and so someone said, hey, you guys are just holding on to your dad's curtail, to, to their curtails to get into heaven, huh? And, and I remember thinking, that doesn't sound right. And I wasn't quite sure how to yeah. respond to it. I was like, it doesn't sound right. And sometimes we do that, don't we? Where it's like, oh, my grandpa, he went to church or my mom, you know, yep. she's a faithful Christian. Yeah. You believe in those angel things. And then we forget about this for you-ness of the, mm -hmm. the salvation that the Lord has done for us. Pastor, anything else before we move on? Um, like I said, we kind of ended at a weird spot there in verse eight. Oh, no, that's okay, because that brings us to verse 9, and there's actually kind of a, a really interesting thing going on with the text itself, uh, both in the original Greek uh, and then how it's brought out in our particular translation today. So so I'm excited to get to that. What, which, which verse are you excited for specifically? Is it just uh, the, verse 9? Well, it'd be verse 9, because um, okay. um, 
You, you go ahead. I don't want to. <laughs> oh, okay. Verse nine. Let's get to it then. We're excited here. Verse nine. <laughs> but the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. What's happening here in verse nine? Well, and that's where it's one of those things we talk about. Sometimes things get lost in translation here, uh, and I don't want to. I don't want anybody to be doubtful about their their ESV. It's a wonderful translation, but this is one particular spot where uh, the English is is not as strongly conveying the original meaning as it could. Because in the Greek, it does it, it, it flat out says no, or even stronger than that, never. As in, you know, the response of the wise to the foolish is. No, uh, we we will not give you any uh, uh, of our of our oil to you. And at first, it's like shocking. Like, well, why wouldn't you do that? But again, it goes back to you can't have faith for someone else. Uh, and um, if anybody happens to have like a, a New King James version, or maybe that's where they're reading from right now, then you see that there because in verse nine in, in the New King James it says, "But the wise answered, saying, No." Uh, lest there should not be enough for us and for you, go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Um, and in, in the in the Greek, it's even stronger than that. It carries the the sense of never, right? Um, but the point being, again, is that uh, you can't have faith for someone else, um, and so uh, that that's a detail we can't lose. But then you know you have there the wise saying, go go to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Um, uh, you know, it's like there's, there's a place where you could have been receiving this all the same as us, because there we, sometimes this can trip, trip us up when it comes to this parable. Cause we're like, Oh, go buy for yourselves as though faith is something you can purchase. Right. Or, or it's a work mm. that you do. Uh, and it's not at all, uh, the, uh, get, the gift of faith is exactly that it's a gift wrought by the Holy spirit. Um, uh, using the word and sacraments of, of God to, to give us faith in Jesus, right? Because that's what faith does. Faith clings to Jesus uh, and receives the gifts he won for us on the cross and in his resurrection. This is very clear in the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, 21. Yeah. In other words, no one can be aided by the works and merits of another because it is necessary for everyone to buy oil for his own lamp. Now that can be a yes. little bit mis it can be it can be misinterpreted as well, but it, it, it definitely points that reality. This is not about you know praying and paying for someone to get into eternity. It is about faith. And the faith that we mm-hmm. receive by the, the the merits of Christ, by his gifts that he gives to us. So it's, you know, yeah. this, is, this is the oil. This is all of that. There is a timeline where it is too late. It's like when you when you buy something, they say 90 days in order to get fully reimbursed. Well, day 91, depending on the company, you're out. I mean, you can't get it. I mean, that's that's just how the world works. But at this date, you don't do it, you're out. Um, taxes, typically, if you don't pay by now, then there's something that you have to pay back, if you will. There's a deadline for everything we have in the world. How would we not think that there would be a deadline in something like this is a good reminder for all of us, even though it hurts, as you said so well about those we know that do not believe. Um, we still know the truth, and the truth is there is a deadline. So anything else? I know you're excited for verse 9. Anything else you wanted to highlight? Well, no, just uh, kind of piggybacking on what you said there. You know, uh, now, I mean, this this time until, you know, the end of your life or when Jesus returns, whichever comes first, th- that is the day of salvation, you know, the favorable time. Uh, St. Paul talks that way in, in uh, um, 
uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, he, he says, Working together with him, then we appeal to you uh, uh, not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. And then St. Paul says, Behold, now is the favorable time, now is the day of salvation. Um, and so uh, we receive um, Christ's word and sacraments while we are able to receive them, right? And, you know, now is the time uh, of, of grace to be uh, hearing and receiving the word and, and, and receiving the, the sacraments of Jesus, which uh, forgive sins and give faith and strengthen faith, right? Um, and so, yes, like you said, there's a timeline there. When, when Jesus returns, it's too late, right? Uh, but, but there's time now uh, uh, to be receiving these gifts. And, and that's what the Lord wants for us, to be receiving uh, that which he purchased on the cross. Again, that forgiveness of sins, that full pardon of sins, um, eternal life and salvation. So let's read the rest of our verses, 10 through 13. And, and I'll say this, it reminds me when my kids were little and if they took a nap at the wrong time, that meant that I had to stay up later. And so if we're driving and they're about to fall asleep, I would be singing and yelling, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. Anyways, verses 10 through 13, that's similar to what our Lord tells us today. Verse 10. And while they were going to buy the bride, buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore for you to know neither for you know neither the day nor the hour. So, Pastor, as we look at this, um, we it's a tragic it's a tragic reality um, that mm -hmm. they not only had the door shut, but they were on the outside uh, to the point where yeah. the bridegroom didn't even know them. So we have about six minutes left in our time here, Pastor. Let's make sure we unpack this correctly for our listeners sure. this morning. Uh, yeah, and and so we have that picture there. You know, the time has come. The bridegroom returns, uh, and uh, as it says, those who were those who were ready, right? Those the, the wise ones, those who had oil in their lamps, they go in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And and thinking about it contextually, it's midnight. It's dark. Uh, the, they don't have LED street lights in that day, right? So the the lamps. <laughs> Um, the lamps uh, light the way, of course, for them to see, but it also lights their faces so that when the bridegroom comes, he can say, oh, yeah, you're with you're with uh, with our wedding party. Right. Come on in. Um, and so those who have no uh, no light, they can't be seen. Um, and, uh, you know, hence the they, they knock and it looks at him, it's like, I, I don't know who you are. Right. I can't tell you. And those are that's such a chilling thing that Jesus says, you know, truly, I say to you, I do not know you or, or amen. I say to you, uh, I do not know you are just absolutely chilling. Right. Um, yeah. And so the, the good news then is for the wise uh, who had oil in their lamps. They're they're rejoicing right They're in the wedding hall. They're at the, the wedding feast. Um and we've got this picture of Revelation 19. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready, right? And they go into that. Uh, and of course, we receive a foretaste of that feast to come every time we receive the Lord's body and blood uh, in his holy supper. That That is a foretaste of the feast to come. Um, and so those prepared, those with, with, uh, with oil in their lamps, 
those who uh, endure in the faith, right? Uh, there's nothing but joy at the return of the bridegroom. But it's those whose whose faith burned out, right? That uh, uh, that hear those words of judgment. Uh, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. And so, Pastor, I, I'm brought back to this hymn because, like you said, it is quite chilling. The, the hymn number 516, Wake, mm-hmm. awake, for night is flying. The watchmen on his heights are crying. Awake, Jerusalem, arise. So this is really, you know, for us, when we sing this, this is a prayer that uh, stay awake, right? Mm-hmm. Midnight hears and welcome voices. By the way, at midnight, I'm rarely awake. If I am, it's because I don't right. want to be awake. So it is very, I'm sympathetic to all that. And at the thrilling cry rejoices reminds us of what you just said that the faithful will rejoice. Oh, where are ye, virgins wise? The bridegroom comes awake. Your lamps with gladness take. Alleluia! With bride care, bridal care, yourselves prepare to meet the bridegroom who is near. And just, I mean, it, it's it's not only telling us the truth, but it's also a, a kind of prayer that Lord keep us awake. And then, Lord, yeah. keep my 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 wife, keep my children, keep my congregation, keep my neighbor awake until the very end. So, Pastor, what would it be as we look at this? We have about three minutes left in our time. Yeah. Is it's important for us to keep this in context and quite chilling, but also, like you said, there's rejoicing that happens as well. How do we keep all of that in good tension that we we end with? I guess gospel and looking to Christ. What are your thoughts? Well, we have to remember that Jesus tells us this parable because he loves us, because he doesn't want us to be foolish. Um, And this is a loving warning and admonition. And it's just essentially to say, be where I am with my gifts. Be where uh, you receive, um, you know, the the oil, the lamp, the fire, all of it. You know, be where uh, salvation is given. Um, You know, it talks about the dealers, right? And, And really in modern day language, it's like, be at church, uh, uh, listening to Christ's word preached uh, through his, his called and ordained servants who are there to deal out, there to administer faithfully uh, his, his word and sacraments um, and, and rejoice in that, you know, uh, re- receive his, his forgiveness, life and salvation and rejoice in the gifts and, and live in the freedom and joy of those gifts. Um, and by the way, the, the freedom of the gospel is, is such that you know what? You want to keep on hearing the gospel, right? The child of God is going to want the things of God. Uh, and so um, we should never presume uh, to know when our last hour is in our lives or presume to know when Jesus himself is going to return. And so we shouldn't be saying like, oh, you know, there's always going to be time for me to go to church. I, I'm just going to put that off for, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. I mean, I don't know any Christians that <laughs> think that way, but you know what I mean? Um, right. be, be where the gifts are given. Uh, be where Jesus is at with his promises for you. Um, they're hearing his word there at, at the rail, receiving his body and blood, because the gifts are for you and for your mm. salvation. So stay awake, I think, is is yes. the main <laughs> reality of this parable. Now, this parable yeah. is is really you know put in between some unique situations. First of all, uh, we do not know the hour. And then we hear this where there is an hour and hear the implications. And then you have the parable of the talents. As we put all this together with a minute left in our time, um, why? how would you encourage our listeners just based on this parable and the wider context? Uh, how would you encourage them and summarize this wonderful parable? 
Uh, well, we have a, a loving Lord who um, has done everything necessary for our salvation, keeping the law, uh, laying down his life on the cross, taking the burden of our sin and the wrath of the Father so that we won't have to, uh, we don't have to fear the wrath of the Father because he's taken it for us. We have, you know, he's crushed the head of the serpent. We have, we have all these beautiful gifts from Jesus um, uh, and, and himself being that chief gift, right, that we receive uh, full pardon. Uh, the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins, a good conscience before God, um, and the promise of heaven, the promise that we have a place at the wedding feast, that we're clothed with the wedding garments of Christ's righteousness. Uh, so essentially, it's just be where the gifts are given, right? Uh, don't become drowsy. Don't don't be tempted by all the world's uh, uh, false promises, by, by the lies of the devil to get you away from Christ and his gifts. Just be where Jesus is. Uh, with his forgiveness, life, and salvation for you. Be there every Sunday confessing your sins with your brothers and sisters in Christ and receiving oil in your lamps, um, uh, the, the word purely preached and the sacraments rightly given. Pastor Tyson Bibb of Trinity Lutheran Church in Norburn, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Matthew 25. Pastor Bibb, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Oh, thank you. It was a joy. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. Mm -hmm.